You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Locked On Reds fans and Locked On Cardinals fans? It's a crossover edition today. Jeff Carr of Locked On Reds joins me, Lucas Smith of Locked On Cardinals, to talk a little bit about the NL Central, because I don't know about you, Jeff, but it's a pretty intriguing division, to say the least. A little bit. I, I think <laughs> as much as it didn't change, it's still going to be really strange this year. Yeah, you know, we, we went through the lockout. We made it through. We're on the other side. The grass is definitely greener on this side versus what it was. I just kind of want to get your take because this is our first crossover since the lockout has ended. What's, what was your take on how the lockout came to an end and what, what's been kind of going on since then, but really how, how the lockout came to an end and your thoughts on it? Um, I, I was glad that they got done what they got done. I don't necessarily know that we are going to see a huge difference. In fact, they've already walked back some of the things that they said were changing yeah. ever since the lockout ended. So I, I look at that and I'm like, you know, it, it's nice. There were a couple of financial gains for the players, probably a little bit less than they were hoping. But at the end of the day, we ended up pushing the season back a week. And I think that they could have done better. I mean, there's no question about that. You saw 43, 45 days, whatever it was, before an offer was made by either side. You saw two 15-plus-hour negotiation sessions in a matter of two weeks. And I was talking uh, earlier with with a friend of mine that I was like, even after those negotiation sessions, I didn't really feel like there was much movement. The deal Mm kind of came together just automatically. You know, you you saw that the international graph draft get agreed to and then all of a sudden we had a deal and it was kind of out of the blue even though we have been waiting for it for 100 plus days um, and th- there's definitely been some action and since the lockout as we all expected there would be yeah. maybe not as quick as we thought or at least as, as a frenzy as as we thought cardinals were the ones to make the first move and it was for somebody that i had never heard of before but what have your what have your thoughts been on how the market has played out over the last couple of weeks well, it's very obvious that the lockout only uh, just pushed back everything the Reds were going to do crazily. Um, yeah. Loki, though, like as a league-wide thought process about this, I would love it if we could create some sort of window for transactions during the offseason. Because let's face it, the MLB offseason is boring, way more boring than any other yep. professional sport. And it's like nothing happens for three months and then the Reds make a big signing or, or your favorite team makes a big signing and you're really happy for a couple of days and then you look up and you're like, oh yeah, opening day is still like a month and a half away. All right, okay, well, this <laughs> yeah. is going to be really fun soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's almost like the, the, the problem with baseball in season of it being too slow is the exact problem of baseball out of season. I mean, I, I have to do more research, but I know the NBA and the NFL, at least to my knowledge, have a window where you can and can't make moves. and So I don't know how that exactly worked. But I do notice, Jeff, that you are wearing Reds gear. And you had said in a while ago that the Reds gear would not be shown on your podcast until they made a move. What, what has spurred this change of heart to, to put on some Reds gear? Part of it was um, during the lockout, I was realizing what was going on with the Reds. And I'm like, okay, I understand. This is going to be a situation where I support the players, um, mm-hmm. the organization as a whole. I'm not really sure, and I know we're going to get into this here in a little bit, but I'm not really sure what the direction is with them. <laughs> um, I love the Tommy Pham signing, and yep. 
I also saw plenty of takes that were like, you know, Tommy Pham and Hunter Strickland would have been really good on the 2021 Cincinnati Reds, but you know, neither one were actually available back then, but whatever the whole point was, they're making moves after they've torn down the roster and all this other stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I look at this and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to punish myself. I already paid for the shirts. I'll go ahead and I'll wear them. <laughs> yeah. Might as well do that instead of burning a hole in your closet or something of that nature. But what, what I, what I found most interesting, interesting about the Reds was under this year's playoff format and you know as long as the cba exists this playoff format if you put that format in last year the reds are a playoff team right so i understand if you don't want to spend the money on a castellanos you know if he's too much money, like if that move is too much that's one thing but from an outsider's perspective and i'm sure an insider's perspective from your end why not make moves to be aggressive early on you don't even have to spend money you can do it via the trade like they did with the tommy fam like they did with the mike minor even and just make yourself a little bit better and still make the playoffs. To me, it made no sense because the Reds were, in my opinion, a playoff team before the trades happened. No, it, it made no sense whatsoever. And you look at some of the trades they made, the Sonny Gray trade, sort of seemed like they probably could have gotten more for that. Uh, the Jesse Winker, A. Eugenio Suarez trade, as much as I love Brandon Williamson, they definitely could have gotten more for that. So I look at that and I'm like, all right, you're selling off pieces. And then after the Winker Suarez deal, the general manager, Nick Crawl, was telling people, oh, no, 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 no. This isn't a rebuild. We're contending. And we're like, huh? Are we being <laughs> gaslighted here? What is happening? And then they make all these other moves to sign people. And you're like, yeah, okay, they're, they're, they're good. They're fine. I like Donovan Solano. I like Tommy Pham. Mm-hmm. And, and Bob Castellini even gave a interview to Reds play-by-play guy Tommy Thrall that was posted on MOB.com last night. And Tommy Thrall asked him, they said, were these moves financial-based or were they competitive? And he said, oh, no, winning was always at our forefront. I'm like, and he mentioned the Winker Suarez, and he mentioned Mm -hmm. Sonny Gray, and I'm like, "Uh, Wade Miley? Where's we talking about that? Tucker Barnhart? Are we talking about those? No, I, I, I I don't understand what they think they're talking about. And maybe they're moves for the future, but as of right now, I don't see it. Well, in my opinion, in my opinion, you can't really have moves for the future and also a win now move at the same time, or at least very few, <laughs> few and far between. Can you have those trades happen simultaneously? So it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me in that regard. I think the only team that's ever tried it and come close is the Rays, but yeah. even then, like, I mean, they still don't want a World Series. They're they're trying, right? They're trying, but. I look at this and I'm just like, the Reds are trying to have their cake and eat it too. At least that's what they're telling us. Right. And I think most fans nowadays are smart enough to kind of see through that stuff and be like, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And we saw that the kind of preview happened pre-lockout when, the, when they traded Tucker Barnhart, who might not be at a Castellanos or a Winker type level of a player, but still an above average player and one that was a heart and soul, at least from the outside perspective to, to the Reds. and Certainly and a top 10 catcher. Oh, yeah, w- without a doubt. Like I said, I'm not trying to put him on an all-star level type thing, but top 10 right. ne- nevertheless. And then you saw so- – where did Sonny Gray go? It's escaping me right Minnesota. now. Minnesota. Minnesota. That, they're, they're an interesting team. And that's, <laughs> that's a discussion for a different time. <laughs> but it's one of those things, you know, you, you see these top talents within the division. Winker is a top left fielder in the division. Suarez, when he's right, is a top third baseman in the, in the division coming off really down year. But you see all these top talented players in the division leave. And then all of a sudden, from, from a Cardinals perspective, you see the division as wide open. Yes, oh, yeah. the Cubs got Suzuki. The Cubs got Miley and Stroman. you got some things to like there. But the Cardinals are a playoff team right now, w- without a doubt. 
and the Brewers have some awfully good pitching. Don't get me wrong, but I see the Cardinals as a favorite to win the Central. Obviously, that the Reds have kind of taken themselves out of the race. I'm not saying they're going to be the Pirates bad. Love you, Ethan. Uh, locked on Pirates, but I don't think they're going to compete for the division. Where do you see this division going? Honestly, I still think it's the Brewers, but they enjoyed a lot of health last year. Yeah. I mean, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff were picture of health all year <laughs> long. And then you talk about like their lineup as well. And it seemed like if they had someone go down, it wasn't a huge player, although Christian Yelich had a down year, but they were able to make that up with their pitching and their pitching is just so phenomenal. I still think I put them at the top, but I think that the Cardinals and the Brewers are going to duke it out. And I think the team that was the happiest to see the Reds go all bipolar. I don't even know what the word is for what they did, but it's chaotic. That's what we'll go with. I've been calling them the chaos Reds. But the team that was happy about the chaos was the Cubs. I mean, the Cubs have made some moves. I don't necessarily think moves that put them in the forefront of the division, but they can at least contend a little bit better than they did last year. And I think they're ahead of the Reds right now. Especially with the new playoff format of getting a couple yeah. extra wildcard teams. I mean, you're going to have six teams from each league. So a playoff team, you know, comparing the Dodgers and the Cubs might not be fair, but they both could be could very well be playoff teams here in 2022. We're going to have an NL Central NL Central roundtable discussion coming up here in the next couple of weeks before opening day. So we don't want to spoil that too much. We've talked about how the Brewers might be the favorites. Where do you think the Reds, as they currently stand, because I don't see them making any more moves until closer to the deadline where they might trade Malley, they, they might trade Castillo. Do you see the Reds being a thorn in people's sides or do you see them just kind of laying down and just kind of being a, a seller team in the division? I think they're going to be a thorn in people's sides. I, I, I look at it this way. Before the Tommy Fam deal, I was thinking 73 wins. I don't think Tommy Pham makes up enough to make you a playoff team, but I don't think they're going to be in the cellar either. So I think they're way above the Pirates. They're going to duke it out with the Cubs for third place, probably 76, 77 wins. Definitely not a playoff team. I, I think that they're probably at least in the conversation leading up to, as folks in Cincinnati are hoping for, leading up to NFL training camp. But I, I think after that, whenever everyone is kind of expecting them to become an afterthought, I think they might. I, there's a lot of things. Like, I, I want them all. Obviously, I'm a Reds fan. Right. I'm not saying this because I want this to happen. I'm saying this because I see this happening. But there right. are a lot of things that could go right, but you're talking about a whole lot of things that have to go right for them to be in any kind of playoff discussion. And I just don't think that's all going to happen at the same time. First, I want to tell you about our next partner that has an incredible product that is called Athletic Greens. So we might be wondering, what is an Athletic Green? It is one, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. It's healthy. It's a lifestyle-friendly supplement. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting good, and supports better sleep quality, which is why I love it, and recovers, supports mental clarity and alertness, and it's the one thing with the best things. 
Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with con- constant product literations with third-party testing. But just because it's super healthy doesn't mean it's not affordable. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than that cold brew habit of yours. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself because you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop into a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements and to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB Network. That is athleticgreens.com slash MLB Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. No, I agree. I think that the Cubs and Reds are going to fight for third if all goes well, or if all goes according to plan. Might not be well from from a Reds perspective, but I, I do think that the, the it's a Brewers division to lose. But there is a part of me that you know, and I've made this prediction on other shows before that the Cardinals are the favorites, in my opinion, to win this division, and they could be they they could not be done making moves, but. At, at this point, it's, it's more of a pipe dream to get a Sean Manaya or a Frankie Montas. I know a lot of Cardinal fans want that kind of trade to happen from a Cardinals perspective. But but the Reds did make an intriguing move in the last couple of days, and that, that was to get Tommy Pham, former mm-hmm. Cardinal, former Padre, former Ray as well. He's been around the block a little bit more than I think people realize. What are you expecting this season from Tommy Pham production-wise? Is he going to be just cut more of a veteran presence, or do you expect legit production in helping this Reds lineup? I think he's going to be legit. I don't necessarily think he's going to be 2016 Tommy Pham legit, but I think he's going to be legit. He's going to be better than he was last year. Of course, he hit 229. He did get on base 34% of the time, so that was nice. I'm expecting that's going to continue. I mean, you put the two two top 10 hitters. I, I was looking I saw the stat the other day, two top 10 hitters in lowest chase rate. Mm-hmm. which is the weirdest sentence I've ever said in my life, and that's why I had to close my eyes and look at it. But Joey Votto and Tommy Pham, they don't chase very much. So to see that and see those guys kind of play off one another, I think I almost expect Pham to be the number two hitter, which he's not mm-hmm. going to slot right into what Jesse Winker did, but he's going to kind of fill in a little bit. I'd say probably, I don't know, 260, maybe get on base 35% of the time, and That'd be fine with me because we were, we were looking at an outfield of Nixon Zell hopefully bounces back and oh my god everywhere else. So now at least we have one other outfielder that we can kind of hang our hat on here. <laughs> I mean, how many years have you been hoping for Nixon Zell to bounce back and to, to, to stay healthy? You know, you well, it. We got Nixon Zell hoping to bounce back. We got Aristides Aquino. We hope he's a curveball. We got Shogo Akiyama hopes he can hit anything over ninety five, and we hope that um, T.J. Friedel can do something i mean he's done nice in spring but there's been a lot of guys who've done nice yeah. in spring that don't do nice in the regular season ain't that the truth <laughs> from what i'm hearing is there's a lot of hope hope springs eternal and uh for, for cincinnati and hopefully that the uh, the hope from spring can carry over into the up north into the big league club there is a name a prospect i wanted to ask you about because you, you have a lot of them now i'm sure Lindsay crosby host of locked on mlb prospects has a ton of stuff out for the prospects you guys have gotten in, in the trades Hunter Green is a name that I wanted to get your thoughts on. I know you're super excited about him. I know that he made a spring debut a couple of days ago as well. Is he somebody that just just to be excited about, or is he making the opening day roster? 
he's making the opening day roster. And there's two reasons to that. Number one, he's talented enough. He's ready for it. And they gave him the number 21, which I am a firm believer <laughs> And when you give a low number to a prospect, that dude's getting the call up on opening day. But he's he's making the opening day roster for that reason and for the reason that Luis Castillo and Mike Miner are probably going to start the year on the injured list. Both had shoulder injuries over the mm. offseason that they're recovering from, and they haven't quite ramped up to the level that the other pitchers have. In fact, that's also going to bring Nick Lodolo into the starting rotation that both Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo are looked at to be the future of the Reds, whereas Castillo and Gray were the present. Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo are going to slot right into those two spots. So I think that we are super excited, and we're kind of low-key hoping because this is the first year since 1990 that the Reds have started on the road. We're really hoping that the Reds kind of slot the starting rotation as such that Hunter Green ends up starting the home opener on April 12th against the Guardians. We'll see if that happens, but I, I would love to see that because he has an electric fastball over a hundred miles an hour. He probably averages about 99 miles an hour on it, even when he's just, you know, throwing it up there and he's not reaching back for something extra. He's hit 104 with it and he has a slider that he can throw for strikes and that he can get some swings and misses on. He's working on a changeup. We'll have to see how that develops throughout the year. It was something that was in the early stages of development as he was in AAA last year. But with that three pitch mix, I think he's going to be exactly what we're hoping for. And I don't think it's a hyperbole to say this because lots of scouts have said it he is expected to be a perennial Cy Young contender for this Reds team. And that's why we have been so excited about this guy. Yeah, I think I've heard his name for, for a couple different years now. I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. This is the first year the Reds are starting on the road since when? Since 1990. That is unbelievable. And just the third time ever. Like, I think before wow. 1990, I think it was like 18... 94 or something. I don't know. It was like something ridiculously long. Do you know it's, why? It a, well, it, it used to be a used to be a tradition. I forget exactly what season it stopped, but it used to be a tradition that the Reds played the first game since they were the first professional team. They played the first okay. opening day game and then everybody else played the next day. And then they started doing some other stuff. And then, of course, you remember whatever it was five, six years ago that they were opening in like Japan and stuff like yep. that. Um, which I thought was cool, by the way. But, you know, there are a lot of traditional Shreds fans that weren't happy about that. But with the whole lockout and getting pushed back and stuff, it was guaranteed that the Reds would not start on the road. So actually, there I, I believe it's the home series with St. Louis will be the second home series of the year for the Reds. That's unbelievable. I did not know it had been that long. I feel like the Cardinals always start on the road. They were supposed to start <laughs> at Pittsburgh this year, and now they're starting at home against Pittsburgh um, on, on April the 7th. The Reds doing the 7th, or are they going the 8th opening day? Uh, uh, 7th. 7th that Thursday? All right, good. Because I know there are, there. Are, I think there's like 18 games happening that day, or I'm sorry, 18 teams playing that day or something of that nature. Uh, the opening day can't get here soon enough. I, I know that much. Um, with the injuries that, that, that you mentioned to Castillo and Minor, who's the opening day starter for the Reds? Tyler Malley. And Tyler Malley. There was an argument to be had. I don't necessarily know that it was a, you know, equal argument between Tyler Malley and Luis Castillo, but Tyler Malley is a very talented pitcher. And if he could somehow figure out how to make his road splits as good as his home splits, he'd be in the Cy Young conversation. He had a 2.4 ERA on the road last year. He had a 
0.05 ERA or wow. 5.7 ERA. It was really high at Great yeah. American Ballpark. And he only gave up like – and it was – a hundred. I, I was just looking at these stats the other day, so no, I'm not a calculator. But <laughs> in 101 and two thirds innings pitched on the road, he only gave up five home runs, and in like 98 oh. innings pitched at home, he gave up 19 home runs. It's Great American That's, Small Park for you, but yeah, um, the shoebox, <laughs> the shoe, yeah, the tiny, tiny. I mean, if it were in Colorado, it'd make Coors Field oh, look like a man. big park, but. Um, no, I, I am very excited to see where he can develop this year because obviously it's, it's that. And then also putting guys away, he gets the two strikes very well and he gets ahead of hitters very well, but then he tries to play. Then he tries to get people to swing and miss and look silly on an outside pitch or something really Mm -hmm. low. And he runs the count up and he runs his pitch count up. So we'll see exactly how that all develops this year, but he will begin the season for the red legs on opening day, which we're very excited about. I do want to tell you guys about the best tasting protein bar in all of the business, and that is Built Bar. Built Bar is the candy bar that tastes like a protein bar, and they even have incredible products like a puff. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They are a treat. They're covered 100% in real chocolate, just like Built Bars. 100% real chocolate, but they're still low-calorie, high-protein. You can replace your candy bar with these because they're healthier and they taste better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, also 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. With flavors to choose from like mint brownie, coconut, or coconut almond, why would you go anywhere else for your protein? At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first and then figure out how to make it healthy, and they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com right now. Use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at Built.com. I like that. Yeah, Cardinals have not named their opening day starter yet as Jack Flaherty, at least at the time of this recording. They have not named the opening day starter as Jack Flaherty has been sidelined. Uh, he was likely going to be. I believe that, too. I was looking forward to watching him pitch this year. And I don't mean that facetiously, I promise. No, I know. He is somebody <laughs> that is super fun to watch. You know, he's got the old uh, mound presence, uh, you know, like Bob Gibson used to have, you know, and he mentored him a lot bob gibson used to tell this funny story about like how nobody would come up to him and it wasn't because he was mean it's because people thought he was mean and jack flaherty was the only person that really came up to him and said hey will you help me you know what was your mindset especially because they both have devastating sliders right so that was a part of it and then bob gibson you know talked about pitching inside a lot and when jack flaherty is at his best he can dot the fastball in the inside corner and then snap a slider away so it's going to be quite the storyline if, and it could have already been announced, I don't know by the time I po- by the time this gets posted, if Adam Wainwright is named the opening day starter to pitch to Yadier Molina on their final season, and what if this wrinkle happened? Those two are starting pitcher and catcher. What if Albert comes back and he's the opening day first baseman <laughs> just for the hell of it, just throw him at first base just for a day or an inning and then switch him and Goldschmidt? That would be quite a story if that were to come to fruition. Was uh, it? 
2011 called? They want their Cardinals back? Or no, I, I can't. Yeah, so. 2010, more like it. I mean, Wainwright was hurt yeah. in 2011, <laughs> so they've been around quite some time. And you know, they say it's their last year, but I feel like we could have said that the last four or five seasons with Wainwright and Melina, they just continue to produce to a level that, that is acceptable for the Cardinals to resign. Uh, the Reds have an old veteran of their own an old first baseman of their own that, that I think you're a fan of. I can't remember quite right or not, uh, but Joey Votto, I believe it's his age 38 oh, yeah. season. Is this it for him? What's his contract look like? What, what is this season outlook and career outlook for Joey Votto this year? He signed for a couple of more years. And to be honest with you, going into last season, we were kind of wondering, we were wondering how much longer he was going to do this. And then he hit 38 home runs <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> Oh, okay. where'd that come from? <laughs> for me personally, I'd love to see him play for like another thousand years. That's not going to happen, but <laughs> I would love to see him play pretty much until I can't like see with my eyes and watch baseball anymore because I love watching him play. I love his personality. Eno oh, yeah. Saris actually included him in his 10 bold predictions article today that he posted. And he said that Joey's going to hit 40 home runs as a 38 year old. He's actually never hit 40 mm-hmm. in a season. Not and he said that he reached year. Right. And he's, he reached out to Joey uh, to see what he thought about that. And he, he quoted him. He, he said, Joey said, okay, but you know, that's not that bold, though. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. I love that's this guy. Joey Votto. That, he just joined social media, too. So are you, are you following him that's on social good. media, on Instagram? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Follow that on Instagram as soon as I saw that. You, I, I hope... And, and there's some folks that there's rumblings going on around that, you know, maybe he's not actually running it. Who knows? But I know it's going to be fun, whatever it is, because Joey seems like a really fun dude. He, he's a funny. He, I, I haven't heard a single report about him ever being a bad teammate. You know, I'm sure he riles up people on the other side of the, of the dugout or in the, in, the, in the other dugout, I should say. But at the end of the day, Joey Votto is fun to watch. And I think baseball is better when, when, when he's in it and performing. You know, there were years when he, he had like a – what felt like a 600 on base percentage, but was hitting about 12 home runs a year. And it's like, yeah, that's great and all, but like you can do more, you know? And, you know, oh, in the yeah. last couple of years, he was able to, to still stay, keep that on base percentage ridiculously high. But as you mentioned, find his way to hit a, a ton of home runs. And he is fun to watch, you know, back in the day, the, the battles between him and Albert for who's the best first baseman in the central were, were really fun. And now, it's really fun to see him as kind of, you know, the transition. He was in the era, era when the Reds were really good. He was in the era when the Reds were really bad, and maybe he'll transition them into another good era. I hope so, because he absolutely deserves it. The fact that he may, in a couple of years, retire or something, or leave the Reds in some capacity, and may leave without any playoff victories under his belt is just, it's a total travesty, to be honest with you. And Mm -hmm. there's so many great stories. My favorite thing about Joey Votto, one of my favorite stories about him, was something that C. Trent Rosecrans, the Reds beat writer for The Athletic, had written, I believe it was two years it was either one or two years ago where he collaborated with a bunch of other writers and he actually talked to a bunch of players from different teams and basically just asked them when you get to first base against the reds what does joey talk about because you always see you always see that he is talking to somebody like oh yeah they're having a conversation and all that other stuff and the range of topics was hilarious because obviously like he would ask them about um 
you know, how they play and, and philosophies and things like that. Sometimes he asked them about gardening techniques. There was stuff about, um, like, favorite uh, pastimes and different books mm-hmm. that they read. And most, if not all of them, said whenever they got to first base, it was the first time that they had played against the Reds and seen Joey Votto. Mm-hmm. He'd, like, introduce himself. And I forget who it was specifically. I think it was Christian Yelich. It was either Christian Yelich or it was uh, Ryan Braun. It was a brewer. But they said that they got the first base, and he came over, and he's like, hey, hey, guys, I, I'm, I'm Joey Votto. And they're like, yeah, we know who you are. Like, okay. Funny. Yeah. What, what, what's your angle here? What right. are you trying, to <laughs> trying to get in my head or something? He, I, I'm willing to bet that he's a little bit more conversationally inclined at first base than Paul Goldschmidt is, if I'm just thrown out a guess. And I love Paul Goldschmidt, What you know, all that good stuff, but a little bit more talkative is Mr. Joey Votto. Just to finish up the point on Votto, I want you to do, do your best to take off your Reds fandom for a minute, take off the red sunglasses, and answer the, the, just this question. Is Joey Votto a Hall of Famer? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I believe so. I've seen no, enough. I've seen enough like national writers who have said yeah. he is that I'm like okay, I'm not just being biased when I say that. So right, yeah, I, I think he makes that. I do too. First ballot. That this that's where I struggle. Is he first ballot? I did see someone say that he was a first ballot. I don't know because. Lord knows that trying to predict Hall of Fame ballot anymore is like trying to bet on a WWE match. But when I look at the balloting, I I think he probably makes it like second or third. Now, if he does hit 40 home runs this year and if he continues, like, I forget exactly how many because he's really close. But if he takes over the lead of all time home runs for a Cincinnati Red, because he's close to Johnny Bench to passing him. If he does that, he might become a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, then you almost have to put him in first ballot, yeah. you know, you, you know, for so good for so long and all these different things. But yeah, Hall of Fame and who knows, maybe the balloting will be changed by the time Joey Votto gets around because it might be by the time you're cross-eyed and you can't see. So it could be 10, <laughs> 25 years from now. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> but Joey Votto is definitely fun to watch. And it seems that he's always in the conversation for top first baseman in the major leagues, regardless of his age and regardless of how good the Reds are, because like it or hate it, that is going to play it plan to account in terms of his play, his Hall of Fame resume at least a little bit. You know, I know you have players like Ernie Banks that got in, but still it will play somewhat of a factor. But Jeff, this has been a blast. Looking forward to talking to you as well as the other NL Central hosts on our roundtable discussion coming up in the next couple of weeks. Opening days inching closer and closer, yet it still seems like a mirage. It still seems so far away, but we're getting closer and closer. Any closing thoughts on the Reds and then also plug where we can find you on social media as well as your podcast work. Hey, Lucas, it's always good to talk to you, man. And I'm excited, too, because since the season's going on, we'll have some more crossovers. We'll be talking about series that are coming up. Hopefully, they'll be interesting. I'm expecting it to be interesting for at least one of the teams in the in the game. Um, <laughs> but you can definitely follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can also follow my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker, who just joined me this year. But we have a lot of fun talking Reds. You can follow him at S. Offenbaker, and you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. Of course, we are everywhere you find Locked On Cardinals. Because Locked On is everywhere you get your podcasts. Everywhere, and it is free everywhere as well. Both Jeff and my I are on YouTube. I'm at LJ Fastball. If you're watching on YouTube, that can be found right down there below. Uh, so, Jeff, looking forward to our first crossover of the season uh, in a couple weeks here. Because no matter how good the Reds or Cardinals are, it's going to be a fun battle because it always is. Uh, but Locked On family, thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for making Locked On your first listen each and every day. And until we talk to you guys the next time, be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic rest of your day.